You are listening to the sermon podcast from Bethel Covenant Church. We're an evangelical church located outside Ellsworth, Wisconsin. And in order to love our neighbors during the COVID-19 pandemic, we are currently not gathering in person, but you can join us live online on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Bethel Covenant Church. We have a live stream every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Thanks for listening. continuing on with our sermon series, I invite you uh, to turn in your Bible uh, to 1 John chapter 1. And we're going to be reading just the little introduction. It's just the first four verses, four short verses in John uh, that are all about what it means to be people of hope. Uh, We've been preaching this series, continuing this series about how we can share hope with others and, and so this uh, it continues this way. So John 1, 1 through 4, we'll, we'll get there in, in just a moment. Um, <clears throat> but we've been gathering together to talk about what it means to find hope and share it in the middle of, um, in the middle of everything that's going on. And, and it could be the trials that we're experiencing right now and the pains that we're feeling and not uh, seeing each other in person or... Um, in, in our own financial pains, our insecurities, our fears about tomorrow, um, whatever it is, the stuff that life throws at us uh, has this way of, of just, just crushing our spirit. And so in a time where we're all tired, where we're all stressed or frustrated, where our national unity and our local unity and our familial unities is just increasingly stretched and tested when economies and politicians and even the best made plans fail us, how do we respond as the church? What does it mean to have and share hope in something bigger than a stock market, a baseball game, or an election day? And so we've been talking about that here at church. We've been talking about um, five different ways that we can um, offer hope in the places that God calls us. Um, And so this week we're on our last habit, Um, but we've been talking about how important it is uh, that we live out hope in our real, regular, daily lives, Uh, that we be praying together and for people, that we be listening to what people have to say so that we can uh, share uh, hope, that we listen with care, that we be busy um, listening to people that challenge us and listening for God's voice, that we be eating and experiencing across boundaries and lines in our lives, coming to the table with people that we can't imagine would, uh, would agree or connect with us in any way. Um, we're invited across those lines. And, and finally, last week we talked about that we're invited and challenged to serve people. And, and all of these are essential. The ways that we live our lives is our gospel witness. The choices that we make, especially in crushing frustrating, difficult, and painful times, they are our witness to people that don't, uh, that don't know Jesus yet. And, and so we've been talking about how important it is that we live and care for people in such a way that flows out of what Christ has done in us. Um, but if our prayer is that somebody might embrace the hope of Jesus in the middle of this time, we can't just change our behavior. We have to be willing to talk about it. 
We have to talk about what Christ has done in our lives for us. We have to talk about what hope looks like for us. Uh, we have to, you know, in previous generations, we talked about that as, as sharing the good news with people, the gospel. And, and for many of us, the idea of, of sharing the gospel or the hope of Jesus with someone is incredibly intimidating. You know, we either imagine, and, and this is one of those pictures, you got, you got our friend Billy Graham here on, on the left and, and our, our uh, street preacher friend on the other side. But I think when we think about sharing the gospel, we, we either imagine Billy Graham with a stadium full of thousands of people, uh, you know, giving the perfect analogy and presenting the best argument for who Jesus is and why he matters. And thousands come forward, right, to, to confess faith and, and connect to Christ. We either imagine him or we imagine, a, you know, a guy, a guy like this with a, you can't see it in the thing, but he's got a big sign that says Jesus on it, right? So we're either um, Billy Graham or we're a guy getting in arguments with people on the street corner or in the park. And you might think, um, well, I'm not Billy Graham and I don't want to be that guy. So I think I'll just leave sharing the story of the gospel to, to somebody else. And we get on with life. Um, perhaps, you know, occasionally um, we'll give a, a friend of ours who's, who's searching, you know, a, a book to read or a video to watch or maybe a, a, tra a paper tract. Um, but we do it, you know, at, at arm's length. We do it practicing good physical distancing and, and emotional distancing, right? We say, oh, here, why don't you check that out and let me know what you what you think about it you know we avoid sharing our story because we think it's better for them to hear it from an expert well our scripture today comes out of first uh, john it's a short introduction to a letter written to christians in the middle of intense conflict but in four short verses it describes the true qualifications to share a story of hope with someone who needs it and I think it gives us a window into what it means to share uh, the gospel with people in our day and age. And so John, First uh, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. And we're just going to walk through these verses together. Uh, I've got them up there on the screen. I, I don't, I'm not sure if you can, can read them again. Um, but hopefully you've got it right here in your own, in your own Bible. John, <clears throat> John writes this. That which was from the beginning... Uh, in the NLT, it says, we proclaim to you that which existed from the beginning, the one who existed from the beginning. And so he starts off that way. John refers to a person. He says, he's referring to Jesus, who, according to the Gospel of John, was in the very beginning with God and was God and was already at work. So John says, we proclaim to you the one who has existed and been at work from the start. He says, and he continues, this one, Jesus, whom we have heard and seen, we saw him with our own eyes, we touched him with our own hands, he is the word of life. Uh, John's appeal uh, is personal, isn't it? He says, we saw the one who existed from the beginning, we heard him, we touched him, it's, it's physical, with our own hands. He says, this one, the one that we touched, Jesus, who is life itself, was revealed to us, John says. 
and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you the one, uh, testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father, and then he was revealed to us. So do you hear what John's saying here? He's saying, so here's Jesus, who was with the Father in the beginning. Uh, He connected with us, and we touched him and saw him and heard him. And now we've connected with you. And so the God that was revealed to us in Christ, we've revealed to you in in us. Um, Out of his encounter with God, out of what God has done for John, he makes his appeal to whoever reads this letter. He says, we proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you might have fellowship with, with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We're writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. So here's John's argument, just to, to break it down, right? God was and is at work since the beginning. Uh, in Christ, John and the people with him met him and know him because uh, the word became flesh. It says, now we've met you and you know us, therefore you know him. It's a, it's a chain of relationship. Faith is a chain of relationships for John. Um, so in, in four short verses, the author of First John uh, sets the Christian faith apart from just about every other world religion. It's, it's radical what he's saying because his emphasis And scripture's emphasis on how you can best get to know who God is, is on faith transmitted and sustained primarily through relationships, through people that you know. John says, you are able to know who Jesus is because you know me and I know Jesus. He's saying that rather than a a temple, which throughout the history of Judaism was the place where you would come to meet God, rather than a holy place like a high mountain, um, rather than a set of rituals, though even in the Christian faith, of course we have rituals, but rather than a rituals or even, even a book, a sacred text, first and foremost, the way you know who God is, John says, is because you knew somebody who knew who God is. That's not to say that rituals and texts and holy places don't have high importance. But remember, it's a reminder that God did not send down a book from heaven for us to know him. He didn't bury golden plates in a field so that somebody could copy them and share who God is off of golden plates. He didn't, uh, he didn't just send a law in the New Testament God didn't build a new temple. He didn't conquer a new land. He sent a person. And that person, Jesus, um, when he hit the ground, he didn't write a book either. He didn't build a temple. Instead, he gathered individuals. When God came to earth, he didn't write a book. He gathered people, individuals who saw him and what he did, who heard his teaching who personally were changed by his presence. People like John, whose lives were never the same. When Jesus rose again and ascended into heaven, those people, um, they didn't build a new temple to worship God in. Um, They didn't even immediately write books, though some did eventually. 
Um, No, what happened first is God's Holy Spirit scattered them all over the region. Instead of building temples, they founded ecclesia, is what the the biblical, the Bible word is, ecclesia, that we translate as, as church, but it really means gatherings. When Christ ascended into heaven, he left gatherings of people. So this uh, means a a lot to us, and it should totally change how we think about what it means to share faith with somebody, uh, because it reminds us that God from the very beginning and is now still at work in people. If you know any people, God is working in them. Two, um, it, it reminds us that some of us have experienced God's work in our own lives and through the lives of others, just like the author of John. Um, and we are called to carry the work that God has done for me and for you in your own life and share the story of that encounter with other people so that they can experience God through us and the Holy Spirit. Uh, John, the Bible of Scripture, invites us to be a part of a chain. You had an experience, an encounter with Jesus. Share that encounter with somebody else. That's how the Christian faith is is supposed to work. Person to person, encountering Jesus and the Holy Spirit in our own lives, stretching all the way back to Jesus. You know, Jesus to John, to John's disciples, to so-and-so, to so-and-so, so all the way up through your grandma and grandpa who taught you what it meant to follow Christ, right? Uh, Paul um, describes it this way, how every person... Um, not book or temple or ritual, is carrying the spirit and the gospel in their own lives. Paul uh, talks about this way in Philippians. Um, He says, but we have this treasure. He's talking about uh, the gospel. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Paul's talking about his hardships. He says, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. He says we always carry around in our bodies the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life might be revealed in our mortal bodies. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Paul's saying those who follow Christ, no matter what we face, no matter what we're pressed by, no matter what we're hurt by, we are carrying uh, the gospel, the, the Holy Spirit in our lives for each other in, in cracked and, and weak vessels. Uh, Paul is saying, and scripture reminds us that we don't carry the gospel in a book, but in our flesh and blood and bones. We can do this today, and we're called to do this today by being around people who don't know Jesus yet, by having relationships with people who don't know Jesus, by praying for them and listening to them and and, um, listening to the Holy Spirit, by eating and experiencing across lines, by serving people, right? We can carry the gospel into our, our daily flesh and blood lines, lives. And if we do these things, we're sharing the gospel in our actions, but Of course, that's not enough. Finally, we must, in direct ways, in small ways, but in big ways to share in words the story of our experience with Christ, of a time that our faith was real to us, 
of the moment when we really believed that Christ uh, died for our sins and is at work as it are, encounters and answered prayers. And if we do that, we'll find that um, we're not sharing the gospel as some like abstract truth of the Bible, uh, though it is that, but in the real flesh and blood broken context of our own lives in the jars of clay that God is filling up today. The best argument for who Jesus is is not in um, evidence that demands a verdict. It's not in the four spiritual laws. It's not in a, uh, even the best produced um, gospel tract. Um, the best argument for who Jesus is, I believe, isn't, uh, isn't even just solely contained in, in scripture. It's not a philosophical argument. It's not a tract. And it's certainly not in the mouth of even the best pastor or preacher. Um, it's in you. The best argument for who Christ is, is lived out in your actual life. Because the only person who can share the story of God's work in you is you. The only Christian who can share that proof, that evidence, that testimony of what God has done is you. And it just might be the proof that your friend or loved one or relative needs to hear. And it's going to go way further than anything you could print out and hand them. And, and this isn't just your own personal come to Jesus moment, though that's important. Uh, but it's in the big ways that you've seen God work in your life. In the small ways, the simple and the complicated ways you encounter God in tragedies and near misses, triumphs and seasons of challenge and testing and doubt. I know for me... I came to embrace hope, not because of something a famous person said or a good book I read. It was and continues to be through regular people who planted faith and restored my faith in the middle of seasons and doubt. And as I was uh, thinking about my own story, I was trying to kind of, and you should do this too, I was trying to contact trace my, my faith. You know, who was it? Who was it? When was it that uh, I was convinced? Who was it that um, introduced Christ to me? And, and I, for me, I, I just got a list. I don't know who comes to mind uh, for you, but, but for me, uh, there are so many people who in big ways and in small ways shared stories of their encounters of God uh, with me. They showed me that their power and their faith wasn't from them. And the gospel in their mouths had a much greater impact on my life than the words of any book because I knew them. Uh, I have a list here in front of me. My, my pastor growing up who taught me uh, to ask questions and keep asking questions as long as you're still listening to God for the answers. Uh, Greg Ralston, my parents, my mom who taught me, uh, told me her own stories of experience and encounter with God and taught me about praying and listening and sharing with others. My dad who taught me <clears throat> what it looks like to uh, trust God by being faithful with everything that you have. Uh, people I went to, to school with, um, a, a very close friend of mine who taught me what it looks like when you leave everything to follow Christ or people I've worked with that showed me what long stretches of faithfulness to Christ look like. 
day after day, year after year, and person after person. Plenty of people that I've met right here in this room, uh, but I won't uh, name you to avoid the embarrassment, but I have to tell you that the stories of other people changed my life, and your story can change someone else's. So my challenge to all of us is this, um, that we would, um, I'm calling it the, the 90 second story challenge. Um, this idea, it actually comes out of a book. And the idea is that all of us, uh, if you know who Christ is, you can think of a time or you have an experience um, where faith was real to you. And so what I want to challenge you to do is to find your story. You may not think you have a story. You may think that your story is not as impressive as somebody else's, but what matters is that it's yours. And so I want to invite you to, to try uh, this practice this week and consider uh, writing your 90-second story and sharing it with us as a church. Um, it, it works like this. I'm going to uh, put it up on the Facebook page later, so don't worry about taking notes or anything here. But, but all you do is this. You take a minute in prayer to ask God to help bring to your mind a, a story to share about his faithfulness with others. Once you have that in mind, um, you write down these six questions and take a minute each to, to write down what happened. Then you turn uh, to somebody with you, to a friend, to a family member, and, and ask them if you can share that story with them. You share it <clears throat> as a practice, uh, set a timer to keep it under 90 seconds, and then, and then record a video and send it here. Uh, send it to me, send it to the church. I would gladly come and record you because I want to share these stories with everyone because the stories um, that I tell are, are important and the stories of scripture are important, but the stories of God at work in your life matter tremendously. And so I want to collect as many of those as I can and share them uh, together as the way to conclude our series on this next week. So the questions are this, you know, it's simple. When, when did you encounter God? When did it happen? Where did it happen? Who was involved? What happened? What was the action that you took with God? What, was, uh, what difference did it make? What was the spiritual benefit? What did, how did you feel differently afterwards? That's, that's it, those six questions. Write it, find it, tell a friend, uh, and consider telling it here at church to bless and encourage this community. So if you're watching this right now, I want to challenge you to just put yourself out there a bit. If you have hope in Jesus, if you have a story to tell about God at work in your life, write it down, record it, and we want to, we want to hear it. We want to share it. Um, if that's a step too far, um, here's, here's a, a, smaller, a smaller thing you could do. I, I encourage you, challenge you, if you have a story in your life where God worked in your life, I just want you to write, uh, ask me in, in the comments, and then consider sharing that. Uh, with others. If God has ever worked in your life, if he's ever changed the situation around, if he ever surprised you, I want you to write, ask me in the comments. And those of us that are watching, it's a testimony to who God is. And I encourage you to, to message anyone and say, yeah, what, what is the story of how God worked in your life? So, so write, ask me, be willing to share that story in our video next week or um, in person or in other times as we come gather together in your small group because uh, stories of hope in the lives of real people who have met Jesus make an enormous difference. If you're wondering about God or, or faith today, uh, I invite you, I encourage you to look here at this church for jars of clay. I invite you to look here for the evidence that Christ can transform people. 
And if you want to begin that story of transformation right now, I, I want to invite you to pray this with me. If you're not sure if, if you've ever invited Christ into your life, if you've ever surrendered uh, to him, if you're not sure where your story is, this is a great way to start. So would you pray? You know, and it's, it's simple. It's not complicated. Just, Father God, I've sinned. I'm not good enough on my own. I don't have it all figured out. Because of Jesus, who died and rose again from the dead, forgive me. By your Holy Spirit, make me new. And because of the resurrection, I trust in your eternal life. Thank you for what you've done, Lord. In your name, amen. If you uh, prayed that with me today for the first time, God has begun a new story in your life. He's planted a seed of hope that will sprout and grow and bring transformation. And you'll find that as you've encountered him, you can bring that encounter into your relationships with others. God uh, is holding on to you and your inheritance never expires. And so from this day forward, God is planting a new story in your life. And so now for all of us, the challenge is to find that story, to remember it, to mark it, and to find the courage to share it with the people uh, that God puts in your path, to not sit on it and hide it, but to share it, to bless someone else. Thanks for listening to our podcast. You can find out more about us and join our live streams at facebook.com slash Bethel Covenant Church. Thanks and have a great week.